This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Salah signs to extend his stay through to 2025. The Egyptian King's signature, the crown and glory of a summer's recruitment work. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome to the Blood Red channel as I'm joined by the Echo's Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorst, to discuss the finer details of Salah extending his Anfield stay. The negotiations, the incentives and the role of Julian Ward. We're going to get into those finer details. But first of all, Gorst, you've had some, some time off during the summer and I suppose I've missed a large flurry of Liverpool's dealings, but here for the big one, the signing, uh, the extension, I suppose, of Mohamed Salah's contract, finally done yesterday. Yeah, I had a few weeks off, so missed all the furore around Sadio Mane and Darwin Nunes. Um, but yeah, back on this week and, and timed it perfectly, really. Um, Mohamed Salah stays, as he told us all yesterday, from his uh, holiday home in, in Mykonos. Um yeah, huge news for Liverpool there. I was saying yesterday on on the uh, we did like a kind of emergency kind of podcast reacting to the news. Um, I I didn't see it happening this summer. In all honesty, um, once I got to a certain point, um, I was just thinking maybe you know Liverpool have to go into kind of overdrive at some point when the season's underway and really look to kind of dot the I's and cross the T's and, and do what they absolutely have to to make sure that Salah stays. I didn't really see it coming during the summer months, um, particularly before pre-season while, while he's he's on holiday. So, yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic news. Um, Liverpool sent a, a delegation out to uh, to Greece this week and it was all kind of hush-hush and, and on, you know, need-to-know basis and all that. And for obvious reasons, because there's a lot more that goes into it now than just kind of the announcements on the website, they're almost kind of social media campaigns of their own, aren't they, when, when a big signing happens now for these big clubs. So, yeah, huge news. I thought it was quite cheeky the way they, they executed it in terms of getting his agents involved in the the cryptic emojis and all that kind of stuff. And, and for a good hour and a half or so, heads were falling off left, right and centre on social media, weren't they? But um, I think eventually, um, you know, <laughs> all was well. That ends well, I guess, and it's just just a massive statement of intent for Liverpool because there's no one who they could have replaced Salah with. You know, if you're looking to, to bring someone in in his place in 12 months' time, they're not going to be as good as Mohamed Salah is in that right forward position. So um, they've done what they absolutely had to and um, everyone's set to benefit. Yeah, completely agree with you uh, regarding that. And I suppose in terms of the money, the detail, it's one of those, isn't it? There is that obsession with how much is said player on and reports are to, to be believed. It's £350,000 a week that Mohamed Salah will be getting as part of this new deal. Absolutely breaks through the wage structure that Liverpool have previously had in place for their highest earners. But I suppose when he's the guy at the top end of the pitch who's often putting the finishing touches to moves, I'm, I'm sure the likes of Virgil van Dijk, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Fabinho, Alisson, all of those those who have signed contracts in the last 12 months will be more than happy just to, to see their mate Mo signing on the dotted line. Yeah, you, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Liverpool have a very tight-knit group, aren't they, as, as a team? Um, you don't get the impression that there's any kind of, you know, everyone's settled in the team. It's largely been the same team for the last three, four years. Maybe a few additions here and there, but still the main protagonist, obviously Salah, you know, if you look at Van Dijk, Robertson, 
Trent, uh, Allison's been there for four years now, Fabinho. So um, I, I can't imagine this being a move that is going to disgruntle anyone, particularly when they've all just signed new contracts in the last 12 months. Anyway, you look back to, to last summer, don't you? And there was, there was Trent, Fabinho, Allison, Robertson, Henderson. They all signed new contracts, and, and the two glaring emissions from the list that Liverpool wanted to do was uh, was Salah and Mane. And, and look, look what's happened to to them this summer. What one's gone one direction, and, and the other's gone in the total opposite direction. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think that there'll, there'll be too many issues around Salah being the highest paid player at the club. He's the highest paid player that Liverpool have ever had now, um, and um, it, it centres around goal contributions and. There will be some team performance-related criteria in there because I think Liverpool, that's just how they operate. I think everyone's kind of got that in their contract. That's why Liverpool had one of the biggest wage bills in, in football a couple of years ago when they were winning Champions Leagues and, and Premier Leagues. Um, but it's, um, you know, Salah could earn upwards of £400,000 if he delivers the goals and delivers the goods. And uh, I think I think the key issue behind it all is the fact that he believes that he's, he still can. You know, it's in 30 this month. Um, he's got, he's you know, no signs of slowing down or he doesn't think that once he's in his 30s, he's going to start tailing off. And, and the club, to their credit, agree with him. So they believe that, um, you know, they're, they're, they're firm and they believe that he's just going to continue performing as he already has for the last five years. So, you're going to be looking at six, seven, eight years of, of this kind of level of, of Mohamed Salah, ideally, um, and then he's going to trouble some of the uh, some of the goal records, isn't he? Um, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where, see where he ends up on that all-time list by the time he, he retires. I don't think he'll quite get to Ian Rush's level, but, um, you know, who else is there? You know, Billy Little, Roger Hunt, Stephen Gerrard's in there, isn't he? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's, that's now the... The, the individual task for Salah is just to see how far you can get up that list, and then inevitably, the uh, the points will be won, and, and the trophies could be could be won as well while he goes and scores all those goals. I suppose it's not beyond the realms of possibility that this deal through to twenty twenty five, he'll be thirty three at that time. That he could even extend his stay even longer. But you were saying before, and you, you were talking about kind of that physique that he's got, and I suppose maybe I'm reading too much into it round the pool with his top off, kind of even showing off those muscles and the absolutely uh, prime physique he's got. I'm very much a, a T-shirt on round the pool kind of guy <laughs> myself. But you mentioned you, you weren't expecting to see this happen this summer. What what was the key then? Because what since December or so, we believe that negotiations had, had heated up between Liverpool yeah, and his yeah. agent really trying to get this done. But there seemed to be an impasse. It's happened very quickly. What what was the secret, I suppose, to, to unlocking that impasse? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think Mike Gordon met with, with Rami Abbas, who's obviously um, Salah's agent in Miami at the, the turn of the year. Um, Salah's agent's based out in Dubai, so they met in Miami and Depend, depending on who you speak to, actually, um, some say it was productive and that kind of set the ball in motion. Others have said that there was a little bit of a, a disparity and it wasn't too fruitful in terms of a, a negotiation process. So um, I think ultimately the fact that he has signed the new deal will tell you that it probably was a little bit more on the productive side than not. Um, and then the, there was emails a little bit later down the line, possibly March time, 
then I think Liverpool took the kind of stance of, you know, looking at things. I think possibly around the international break, um, they were looking at it and they were still in the FA Cup. They just won the Carabao Cup and the Champions League and, and the Premier League was still in sight. So I think they kind of shelved everything from there on in and just thought, well, it's all about the next eight weeks, eight to nine weeks. Let's see where we can finish in this kind of unprecedented quadruple pursuit. And, you know, okay, they have missed out on, on the Premier League and the Champions League, but it was just about keeping heads down and, and just seeing where they ended up and then coming up for a in the summer and taking a little bit of a wider view of things and, and seeing where the lay of the land was. And then ultimately that's what that's where the breakthroughs come. It's been, you know, very quick this week. Um we're gonna talk about Julian Warden in a few minutes, aren't we? But he's um him and his team kind of sprung into action and, and that seems to be a recurring theme for, for Ward. Um Liverpool, as you say, flew a delegation out to Greece earlier this week and Friday afternoon was the big news that everyone wanted to hear. So they've acted quickly and decisively, and that seems to be uh, the way they work now, nowadays. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We'll get on to Julian Ward. Let's do it now. Could he ha- have had, we'll explore more parts of the summer as we go on, but just as an overview, could he have had a better summer in terms of stepping in for Michael Edwards and how he's done? He's He's gone and identified a new first choice striking option who was one of the hottest properties around European football. He got that deal done very swiftly, very quickly. He brought forward the deal to bring in Luis Diaz in January before he'd even assumed the role of sporting director ahead of Michael Edwards leaving. And Jurgen Klopp as well being tied down to a new contract as well as this with Salah all before Liverpool report back for pre-season. They were the side of the big clubs who were playing latest into the season and yet you look around, Manchester City is still looking to do business. Chelsea, I, I think, are yet to make a, a real senior signing and a statement of intent since their new ownership model took over. Manchester United are, are chasing around Europe for who and what they can sign. Whereas Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp welcomes everyone back to the AXA training centre on Monday and probably knows the exact squad he's got to go with from day one in pre-season all the way through to the start of the season. Yeah, that that's all spot on, guy. I think um, I think with 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 Ward, I think possibly a little bit of apprehension apprehension amongst the fan base just because they know the name Michael Edwards. You know that without knowing too much about the role and, and the kind of behind the scenes things, they know that he's the guy who brings the players to the club and, and his record preceded them, didn't it? With the amount of players that he's brought to Liverpool and the what was it six years that he was officially sporting director? He's been at the club for, well, he was at the club for a decade. Um, he's, he was essentially responsible for supplying the clock with the, the squad that many championed as the you know the best in decades at Liverpool. So I think there was some some concern that Julian Ward, who was a name that not too many were familiar with, wouldn't be able to kind of continue on that trend. And, and I think very early on, he, he's kind of blown blown that out the water, hasn't he? You know, he's kind of taken a little bit of a soft launch into the role from the turn of the year when it became clear that Edwards was stepping away. I think he might have announced that in, in the October time. So, um, yeah, he he, uh, he he brought the as in, didn't he? I think Liverpool kind of made their move on the Tuesday at the end of the window. And, and by the Sunday, Liverpool were confirming him as their player. You know, goes up and Tottenham to Diaz. And then... Um, with the Nunes deal, when it became clear that Mane was moving on, Liverpool have again moved very quickly and decisively to 
to bring him in and a 64 million dealer could rise to 85 which would be a club record outlay um and then now you're looking at Salah again it's it's, it's all been done very very swiftly and, and very quietly admittedly you know they've, they've they've moved this week they flew to Greece and they've got him signing on the dotted line for a big grandiose unveiling on on social media so in terms of, of his first window it's it's been it's been superb i think the only thing you could say about it and you know I don't think it's a fault on Julian Ward's part is the fact that Sadio Mane feels that he, he needs a fresh challenge and, and he's had to leave. Um, that is, is unfortunate from Liverpool's perspective because he's, he's one of the best forwards in, in Europe, certainly for the second half of last season. But um, you can't win them all. But Liverpool, no doubt on the ward, they are, um, you know, he, he, they're in safe hands with him anyway. And I think he's already proven that in the in, in just a few short weeks, to be fair to him. So, um, yeah, I think... It's going to become a, a key feature of Liverpool going forward, I think, where, where they move very quickly and decisively and before you know what they've wrapped up, exactly what they want to do. And it's going to be exciting to see how they, they go forward from here. Yeah, I think the term I'd, I'd use to, to sum it up, and the whole summer has been ruthlessly efficient. When Liverpool have mm. seen the opportunity, they've struck and they've got it done. We've seen in previous summers, even I, I, I think back to kind of the likes of, of when they signed Costa Simicas and there was bids going in for Jamal Lewis and Simicas or Diogo Jota. There was interest in Ismail Assar at Watford at the same time as well, where as this time around, it kind of seems first choice option and whether or not it was the case, first choice option, second choice option, right? You renew Salah or sell him or renew Mane or sell him type thing. It seems as though the first option every time at the moment for Julian Ward seems to have been executed, and I say with ease, but it, it, it's looked that way from the outside. And I suppose it's easy to say that when you've got one of the, the best managers and best squads that the club has ever had assembled. Yeah, I think I think it just lies in, in the, the profile of the player you're going after. I think if you, if you know you're looking to spend 64, 65 million on a player that could rise to, to a club record outlay, you want your first choice, don't you? You don't really want to be dealing with plan Bs or Cs or you, you don't even want them really necessarily. You just think this is the player we want and we are going to make sure that we bring them to the club. Um, so similar situation with, with Nunes. Um, a little bit different with Asuma Cash because you're only looking to recruit a... I say only, but you know, you, you know you're looking for someone who's not going to be playing every week. So you a might deputy. have... To I, I always find the term backup disparaging, but a deputy yeah. to... A, a, to a deputy. Yeah, but that's, that's the ideal phrasing. So you know when you're after a deputy, you, you might have options A, B and C, mightn't you? Because it's not going to be... It's not imperative to you. So your overall hopes, it's just something that you're looking to kind of supplement the squad with. So I, I think it lies in, in in the profile of the player that you're going after. And, and to an extent, I, th- I think Jota fits into that as well because, uh, as you say there, there were a couple of other options as well. And the Liverpool certainly contacted Watford over Ismail Assar two years ago and, and uh, Jota was, was the man who they brought in. So I think I think it, it does just depend on the, on the profile. As I say, Liverpool absolutely knew that they wanted Virgil van Dijk and didn't really look anywhere else once it became clear that he was the man for them, um, as they have done with with Darwin Nunes. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 from a, from a Liverpool fans' perspective, it's it must be heartening to know that Liverpool generally get who they want nowadays. You know, they're not look back ten years or so ago. There was like Sir William and uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan, just you know, just to name two off the top of my head. Uh, Yevon Con- Conopal Yanka, 
the players who they wanted who never came to the club and, and they're not missing out on targets anymore. They are getting who, who they want. And that is that obviously down to the pull of, of Jürgen Klopp and what they're able to do on the pitch, but also the way they work behind the scenes as well with, with the worldwide network of, of contacts and, and scouts. Right, final point then before we go, I suppose moving forward, what does this mean for, for Liverpool, Liverpool fans as well? I suppose, A, we're not going to be staking out on Rami Abbas's Twitter page anymore, waiting for those cryptic clues as to what's going to yeah. happen with a, a contract for Mohamed Salah. But in terms of Salah himself, as we say, future sorted before he walks through the door on Monday, he'll get a full pre-season under his belt as well. And I suppose look to replicate his form from the first half of last season ahead of the World Cup and then hopefully be the man who's who's there supercharged throughout the, the break to then come back and, and lead Liverpool to further glories. Yeah, I think it might be a few tweet alerts turned off now for Rami Magna from Liverpool supporters. Uh, it might even be a few clicking the unfollow button, actually. Um yeah, I I think I think one of one of the reasons Salah was able to hit the ground running so so fast last season is because he got a full pre-season. I think that might have been the first year in Anfield when he didn't have to worry about playing for Egypt, you know, or kind of rehabbing any kind of injury, which he didn't. 2018, he had the World Cup and he was still injured, wasn't he? So that, for me, I think Klopp mentioned it at some point. I was trying to search for when he said it because I remember being at the Access Centre when he said it, but couldn't quite find it. But Klopp basically did attribute such a great start to the season with him having a full pre-season and it's something that, you can, you can, you know, lay at the door of, of several players last season. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold hugely benefited from not going the Euros with England. So I think if it's the same again for Salah, I think if he's got his future sorted and, and he's there from day one of pre-season, he's there in Thailand and Singapore and Austria for the games against the Red Bull teams, I think when you see the Premier League season start in August, he's just going to come flying up the traps and be the, the best player in the Premier League until, until the World Cup in November and then... Obviously, everyone will reassess and reconvene and, and, and see where the lay of the land is from there. But I think Liverpool, um, or rather Salah, for Liverpool in, in the, the coming what, three or four months, I think he's going to be uh, absolutely electric and um, defenders are going to be put on notice again. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how it does play out with that. It from us here on this special edition of the Blood Red podcast, looking into the finer details of that deal for Mohamed Salah, who extends his stay at Anfield through to 2025. But from myself, Guy Clark, and Paul Gorse, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.